What is up, everybody? Happy Monday to you, and welcome into the show. Texans All Access from the Hyundai Texans Radio Studio right here in good old Houston, Texas. Better than Los Angeles, California, but yesterday in Los Angeles, California, eh, Carson, California, excuse me, what an afternoon for your Texans. They moved to 2-1 and one on the season with a 27-20 win over the L.A. Chargers, a team that was 12-4 and four last year, thought to be one of the better teams in the NFL. Last year, a little banged up this year, so I'm sure some will discount it, but I won't. That was a huge win on the road, beating Phillip Rivers. The second time the Texans have beaten Phillip Rivers in California in 2013, they had to come from behind win. Brian Cushing with the big pick six in that one. And then yesterday, a pretty dominant second-half effort coming back from 10 down to win by seven. Excellent effort on both sides of the ball. Are there things to clean up? Sure. There's no question there are things to clean up after this one. But it's a whole lot easier, like I said last week, to clean up after a win than to clean up after a loss. The cleanup after a loss is brutal. Cleanup after a win is, hey, you missed your block here. Yeah, but we won. You missed your, oh, you should have caught that ball. Yeah, but we won. As opposed to, hey, you should have caught that ball, and maybe that's the reason why we didn't win. So much better and easier to talk about a win, and so happy after that one. Boy, I was pacing the last drive, just pacing. Two fourth down conversions by Phil and then the last one, they're unable to come up with it. And the thing is, is with 18 seconds left, and, and I've tried to do the math on this, if you just tackle them in bounds, it's very difficult to have more than two plays. I don't even know. Maybe, maybe it's one play. If you Now, obviously, you've got to tackle them. If you should tackle them short of the stick, game's over because it's fourth down. But if they get the first down, that play's probably going to take, what, eight, ten seconds? Then they got to rush up there and they got to spike it, they would have one shot at the end zone. Now, that shot would have been from about the 15-yard line, maybe, maybe a little bit further in, because I think they're at the 34, I believe, after the holding penalty. So they still had some work to do, but didn't matter. The Texans get to win, get the win, and whew, I don't say sigh of relief, but when it was over, it was like, oh, man. We finally, in one of these games that we've had over the last three years, And when I think about those games, I'm talking about 2017 New England, 2017 Seattle, 2018 Philadelphia, where we've taken on a Pro Bowl, Super Bowl MVP, Hall of Fame, future Hall of Fame quarterback, and we've gone toe-to-toe with them, and then in the end, they make one play and beat us. This was that opportunity for it to go the other direction. And Phillip Rivers, I think, is going to go to the Hall of Fame one day, and it was good to get that win. So... Two wins over Phillip now, which is good because, well, they're Hall of Fame quarterbacks for a reason, but the Texans haven't had a great record since 2008 against guys like Ben Roethlisberger, Eli Manning, Peyton Manning, Tom Brady, Drew Brees, Russell Wilson, Phillip Rivers. But they tacked one on yesterday when it mattered, the 2019 season. So Texans go to 2-1. and one. They stay atop the AFC South alongside the Indianapolis Colts. The Colts get a win over the Atlanta Falcons. We'll break down the NFL in full later in the show, but a win that the Falcons almost came from behind. But that would have been just that would have been fantastic if the Falcons could have come all the way back from behind. And I, I don't not convinced that road Falcons are anywhere near as good as home Falcons. 
which means I'm very happy that the Falcons will be coming here on October 6th, which, if you've missed the news over the last month or so, that'll be Founders Day right here celebrating the life of Bob McNair and what a day that is going to be October 6th. So Texas got the Falcons. But before they get to the Falcons, they've got the Carolina Panthers. So plenty to do before that. So, like I said, we'll break down what happened in the NFL. We'll hear from the general, John McClain. But we're going to start the show off with some hot reads. And on a Monday, right here on Texas All Access, we're going to go straight to it. Let's go to... Texans Audio Tunebox. Oh, I love that. I just love that. And what that means is we're going to go to the locker room. We're going to hear from the players. We're going to spin the jukebox or put a coin in the jukebox. Well, you spin the jukebox by putting a coin in the slot. And we're going to hear from a few of the guys in the locker room in just a second. But... Bill Bryant went to the podium. You heard his coach's show a little while ago. and We've got into a lot of different things with the coach during the coach's show. But I like hearing him expand on a few things during his press conference. And this was one of them. He talked about being 2-1. and one, And he said, look, we're in a good spot. But, look, it's 2-1, and one, man. It's really early. We're playing hard. But we're in a good spot. We're not where we want to be. But we're getting there. And that's good to me. Obviously, two and ones. Um, you, you know, it's decent to be at that at that record at this point in time. But you know, all all three of these games have come down to uh, the last minute of the game, and I think that shows that our team is learning, um, especially over the last two weeks, to play sixty minutes. That it takes sixty minutes, and these guys are playing hard, and and uh, they're doing a good job of taking care of their bodies and being able to withstand those type of games and. That has to continue, and then we just have to keep improving. You know, it's it is early. You know, and it, it's it's only the third week, and we we got a long way to go. Yeah, plenty of games left. Got thirteen games, fourteen weeks. You got a trip to London. You got a Thursday nighter against the Colts. You got a Sunday nighter against the Patriots. I mean, there's a lot left on this schedule, and that's down the road a little bit. The focus on Carolina this week, but two and one. Look. Could you have been three and zero? Sure. Will Lutz pushes that ball to the right. Ted Ginn doesn't get, uh, doesn't make the catch right there. Uh, the last official offensive play before the field goal. There's a way you could have been three and zero. There's also a way you could have really been zero and three. So being two and one, I think you got to feel pretty good about where you are. I think Coach is absolutely right about that. Jordan Akins had one heck of a ball game yesterday, and Coach talked about what it is that he's seen and how he keeps and continues to get better. Jordan uh, is a very mature guy who works very hard to get better. He's, a, he's done a really good job for us in, the, in our blocking schemes, the way we use him in our blocking schemes. Um, and he's, he's become a better route runner every week. You know, he really works hard on running routes. Deshaun has a lot of confidence in him. Jordan's a very instinctive player, like the play that, that – that, Deshaun made where Deshaun was carrying it in his left hand and then switched it to his right and flipped it to him for that touchdown. That was a great play by Jordan, too, because he noticed how he was scrambling and he broke. We talk about making sudden movements, when you, decisive sudden movements when Deshaun's scrambling. He did that, and he broke free. and So a very instinctive play, and, and uh, you know he's playing well, and we, we need that to continue. You know, Jordan Akins is here, I think, as a, in large part because the Texans – Got to spend a week with him at the Senior Bowl. And it came off a, a horrendous year. I mean, 2017, everybody in the building was injured except probably me and Mark. And we probably weren't doing all that well in 2017 either. But 
Following that year, the Texans were invited to coach at the Senior Bowl. And they went to the Senior Bowl and they had the South Squad. So they had a, a good litany of players. And they got to spend some time with the guys in the North Squad, too. But they coached Shaquem Greffer from UCF. They coached Darius Leonard, linebacker from South Carolina State, who ended up, ended up with the Colts, ironically. And then they coached Jordan Akins. And I think one of the things they loved about Jordan was the fact that he was kind of mature beyond his years. I, I guess that's the right way of saying I mean, as a senior... You expect the guy to be 21, 22 years old. Jordan's had life experiences. He had played baseball. He was just a guy that they really liked, very serious about what he does, took great notes in meetings, all that kind of stuff. And I think they really, really liked him. And that's why he ended up getting drafted in the third round. And that's why he's here. And he's really blossomed, I think, this training camp, this preseason. And it didn't dawn on me until right after I did my interview. He's he's walking back in in front of me, and I went, yo, Jordan, hold hold up. Those are your first touchdowns. And he's like, oh, yeah, those are my first two. So good to get those on that particular day. Now, two guys playing on the same offensive line together for the first time were first-round pick Titus Howard, who started last week at left guard. On Sunday, he started right tackle. And Max Sharping, second-rounder, who started at left guard after a good majority of training camp playing over on the right side. So two rookies in a lineup facing Bosa and Ingram, and I'll admit, I was I was a little worried about it. I mean, Titus Howard going out to tackle, hadn't played tackle for a while because he had been at guard, and now he's going out to tackle to take on Bosa and Ingram. <sighs> I was a little bit worried about that. But Coach talked about the versatility actually being an advantage for those two guys as they got ready for this game against the L.A. Chargers. We moved them around a lot in practice. So, and this was before we had Laramie. So we had Titus, uh, you know, playing on the left, but he also played right, and then he played guard, which there's always a discussion about are we moving him around too much? And so, you know, we try to get a feel for the player. How's the player doing? How do you feel about moving around? Coach, I'm fine. I got it. Wherever you need me to play, feel good. And then you watch the tape, and he's doing pretty well at all the positions. So you continue to do it because the more flexibility you have, the better it is. Max, we played at right tackle, right guard mostly on the right side. I think in certain walkthroughs and things, we would put him in on the left. Never played him at left tackle, but we also played him at center in, in certain walkthroughs. So he, he can play all the positions, really, if we needed him to. So we created some flexibility with two guys that are pretty bright, and they understand. Then we get Laramie in the trade, so now he is the left tackle. And so now Titus, you know, we still had some some – some things going on injury-wise and things like that with the line. So we played Titus at left guard. And then this past week, we, 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 we decided it was time to get Max in there a little bit more. Greg Mance being injured, you know, him being out had affected a little bit. So there's a lot that goes into this. Mance is back. Max played pretty well yesterday. Titus played pretty well on the, uh, the right tackle spot. And, you know, this is the way we're going to go for now. I think, I think these guys are gelling pretty well together. Yeah, those five look pretty good together. And it's hard not to look at that five and think, oh boy, they're they're going to be changes. I mean, it's I can't I can't see that happening. I mean, these these five played really really well together. It's maybe one of the better offensive line performances that I've seen from the Texans in quite some time. Now, if they'd have been able to run the ball for 100 yards, first of all, if they run the ball for 100 yards yesterday, then they win that game 35 to 10 or 42 to 17. But they didn't run it all that that well. And Coach actually talked about why that happened and said that Chargers' scheme was pretty darn good. Gus Bradley, former defensive coordinator for Seattle head coach in Jacksonville, 
made a few changes, some adjustments that took away some of their run game, and that was part of the reason why it wasn't as successful on Sunday against the Chargers. The Chargers had a good scheme for the running game. You know, they we have a unique running game, and so we're going to see a unique defense really every week on that, something that we may not see on tape going into the game. And so we have to be ready for that and adjust that better as coaches and players alike. Yeah, Chargers yesterday I thought played the run pretty well, but again – they were doing that because they knew they had to take something away from the Texans. And I think the Texans heading in were fourth or fifth in the league in rush offense. And the Chargers were like, we got to take that away. And it put the game back on their secondary. And it was a secondary that's very banged up, very inexperienced, very talented, but extremely inexperienced. The Texans were able to exploit that. Sean threw for 351 yards, 323 yards he threw for in the last three quarters. Now, one of the reasons that Deshaun was able to – play the way that he did was because the offensive line protected him very well. So let's speak with one of those offensive linemen. Titus Howard said the offensive line is getting better and better by the week. I feel like we're growing each and every day. Uh, We're getting better each and every week. Uh, We got some great leaders on the offensive line. So, you know, we attack each week, you know, with a goal to be, you know, better than we were the week before. And I feel like we've been doing that each week. I mean, if you think about it this way, the Texans have had three games, three different offensive line combinations. I would imagine as long as everybody's healthy up front, that offensive line combination will probably stay as is. That looked good. Run game does have to improve, no question. But if the pass protection is there like that, and they tack on the run game on top of it, it's going to be very hard to stop this offense. There's no doubt about it. Now, you heard Coach discuss Titus's ability to move up and down the line of scrimmage, and Titus said, you know what? I got that on lock. I can do this. It ain't that hard. Trusting my technique, uh, what I learned through practice throughout week in and week out. Uh, so going to the game, you know, not trying to you know, try to do something different, just tuning in to what I've been doing each and every day. So uh, going with that mindset, you know, to you know, just – Play high practice, and uh, that's how I do. There of, uh, I think, 36 dropbacks. There was only one where I saw Titus. Actually, it happened on the Aikens touchdown where Melvin Inger got him. There was the only time Melvin got him all day, and I was just I was so impressed to think that a guy like Melvin Inger, one of the top 100 players in this league, was unable, really, to do anything against a rookie coming from Alabama State. I mean, there have been questions, and I thought it was interesting that Daniel Jeremiah – Talked to him before the game. I talked to him briefly at the press box. I heard him talking about Titus. And and we actually talked about Titus a little bit. And he just said about – he was very, very impressed with that cutting him. But he said about Titus, you know, he's, he's going to be a good player. And I, I think we found that out. There's no question about that. Now, Titus is a rookie. He hasn't been here a long time, but he's very observant. And as Coach said, he's a bright dude. He's an intelligent guy. He knows what's going on. He understands what kind of team this is, and he likes it. It's a team that never quits. They're always getting after it. 60 minutes. One thing I learned about this team is uh, we got some guys who, you know, never give up. Uh, no matter if we down, you know, 20 points or 15 points, uh, this team always got belief in each other that we can come back and get the W. Uh, it's, it's good camaraderie on the team. Uh, the chemistry on this team is just, you know, it's not unlike any other, you know, whether it's the locker room, off the field, on the field. And I feel like things like that, you know, what's bring us together late in the fourth quarter when we need a W. You know, it's interesting, Bradley Roby came here and did an interview with me right after he had signed his free agent contract. We were actually sitting in the studio, we were doing a little video, and I asked him about that. 
And I asked him, you know, he won a ring with the Broncos in 2015. I said, what, what was the difference? And he said, yeah, we had talent. He said, but we were tight. We were close-knit. We were a tight group. And when you lose that, you lose the team concept, and you're not going to have what you need to have to win a championship. And I thought it was a pretty interesting comment. Titus speaks to that. Obviously, he hasn't been here a full year, but he knows the deal. He knows what this team is all about. And hopefully this team will be all about winning another game this weekend against the Carolina Panthers. Those are your hot reads presented to you by Geico. 15 minutes can save you 15% or more on car insurance. We get back to general. John McClain stops by. Texans all access. Keep it right where you are. Yes, sir. Welcome back. Monday edition Texans all access coming at you from the Hyundai Texans radio studio. Your Texans are 2-1. Start off 1-1. Got a two-game winning streak. Got the Carolina Panthers. Coming to town, I know some people have talked about being 4-1, and one, including our next guest. We'll get to that in just a second. But just win the next one. Be 1-0 at the end of the week. That's all you got to do. You stack up enough of those. You go to the playoffs. If you want to know each and every week, you end up putting some nice jewelry on your finger. But that's down the road. It's time to focus on the Carolina Panthers. But we're going to look back a little bit with the Houston Chronicles. John McClain, he joined us this morning, and we talked about this game, we talked about the AFC South. We talked about looking forward to Carolina. A lot of things that we covered with the general this morning. Your thoughts on how the day went? I thought the biggest deal was the defense not blowing this game as it did against New Orleans this season, Philadelphia last season, Seattle, New England the two seasons before. Running out of downs with Phillip Rivers, making big plays, big holding call on the Chargers that kept him away from the six. I thought that was the key deal. We knew Watson could light it up. You know, to me, the better pass protection and the way the defense played in the second half in the last series was the story of the game. And it's just so interesting that Watson has so many weapons. You know, the tight ends had kind of been an afterthought. Last week, Fells and Atkins had big first-down catches, and then yesterday they had touchdown catches. And right now with uh, Carolina, even though Kyle Allen was incredible yesterday, and Atlanta coming up, Texans have a chance to be to start 4-1 for the first time under Bill O'Brien. John, you mentioned the offensive line. You and I chatted before the game a little bit about what we might see. Then we saw it yesterday with Laramie Tunsil next to Max Sharping, Titus Howard out to right tackle next to Zach Fulton with Nick Martin in the middle. They give up two sacks, didn't run the ball exceptionally well, but the time they gave Deshaun Watson was not only noticeable, like you said, it was maybe the story of the game. What did you think overall of that five? It was the third different combination we've seen, but it feels like it'll be the combination. What were your thoughts about the way that group played? John, I thought that uh, they would move Zach Fulton to left guard. He had played left and right guard in preseason, as well as center, and put Sharping at right guard. But Sharping had played every position in camp in preseason, so they had no problem putting him at left guard. I believe this is the five they want. They've been searching to get the best five on the field. We knew Titus Howard was going to play right tackle eventually. I didn't know it would be this fast. But out of Melvin Ingram and Joey Bosa, Ingram didn't have a sack. Bosa had a half a sack. They only had two, and uh, that was the fewest of the season. Sometimes Watson had so much time to throw, it's almost like he was surprised. Mm. And if they keep that up, 
you know, that that will help him so much. It's going to be weird to see other quarterbacks sack more than Watson after considering what happened to him last year. John, is Phillip Rivers a Hall of Famer? Yes. People have been asking that question about Rivers and Eli Manning. I don't think at this point either one of them is a surefire first ballot. Now, Rivers wants to play into his 40s, and he might be. I do not hold it against him that he hadn't won a Super Bowl anymore, and I held it against Warren Moon or Dan Fouts. And I do count two Super Bowl wins in which Eli Manning made big plays to win both. That will be certainly be in his favor. But asking Rivers, I'm going to say yes. I think he will be a Hall of Fame quarterback. John, what do you think of the stadium and everything, the way the Chargers are set up during this temporary part of their L.A. existence? I loved it. The crowd was almost 26,000 in a 27,000-seat stadium. <laughs> it was like a high school playoff game in a big state like in Katy and uh, other parts of Texas where they have spent a fortune on their high school stadiums. I walked around it just to see how many Texans fans were there. It was seasonably hot for them. No humidity, of course, but it it was 89 at kickoff. But I thought the atmosphere was tremendous. The close sidelines, you know, you guys, I don't know the last time you were that close to the field. I know other than Tennessee, Buffalo, and Jacksonville, we don't get seats on the 50 anymore down low where we can see everything. So I liked it. I thought it was tremendous. I, there's a lot of talk about when they move into that new stadium next year, they may not add, they may not average 30,000. That's going to be an embarrassment to the league in Los Angeles. There's some people, mainly just media in San Diego, hoping it does not work out, and they end up trying to come back to San Diego and picking up where they left off and trying to get a new stadium built. Boy, that would be interesting. That would be. I hope they really, do it. Really, I hope they do it. It doesn't feel right. It would make it easier for all of us media types to say San Diego instead of Los oh, Angeles. Please. We had a good streak going yesterday until the fourth quarter, and then it then it became it San melted Diego down. A few times. Yeah. yeah, I mean it happens. Uh, but a guy that didn't melt down yesterday, John, was J.J. Watt, and there were so many different defensive stars yesterday with plays that were made at key times. But 99 turned into the 99 that we all know and love. And it's not as if he didn't play, that he played poorly in the first two games. But yesterday was really a showcase for him. Five hits, two sacks. I mean, he was just, he was just phenomenal. Uh, what do you think of his performance and, and overall the defensive performance? John, I was kind of surprised that so many people were acting like he was over the hill after two games with no sacks. He hadn't had a sack in the first two games since 2015. He didn't have one last year, and he got it in the third game and ended up with 16. So it didn't surprise me at all, especially the attention he gets, the holding he gets, the way they game plan when he goes wide to try to step up so the tackle can take him wide. He had a great game. Merciless continues to have a great game. I looked up, Clowney had one tackle in uh, the Seahawks' uh, loss to New Orleans. He's had one sack so far. That was running a guy out of bounds. And, and of course, Merciless moving back over that position is off to the best start of his career in the last year of his contract. D.J. Reader, last year of his contract. You know, they'd like to get those guys signed. D.J. had – that may have been the best game he's ever had, not just as a pass rusher but playing the run. 
And I know last year he had two sacks in one game, but I think he worked harder for these. You know, when we say quarterback hits, we need to specify. They got to knock those quarterbacks down. They knocked down Phillip Rivers 12 times in addition to those five sacks. And uh, everybody that thought they weren't going to be able to get to the quarterback consistently without Clowney, so far they've been able to do it. John, the Colts were able to beat Atlanta. What do you think of that one yesterday? Jacoby Brissett hit his first 16 passes. He lost T.Y. Hilton at halftime. Darius Leonard never played, and they won. You know, they've won two close games against Tennessee and Atlanta, and Brissett is getting a lot of praise about he's been cool as a cucumber. And he's not turned it over. He's making big plays. So everybody that wrote off the Colts could be sadly mistaken. And uh, I thought uh, he did has done a tremendous job under a lot of pressure. John, which 3-0 team is the most surprising right now? We know the Patriots are the Patriots and the Chiefs. I don't think those are surprising, but Packers are 3-0. The Bills are 3-0. Which 3-0 team is the most surprising to you? San Francisco. You know, Garoppolo coming back after he struggled before he blew out his ACL last year. They're 3-0. and The Bills have not played anybody. You know, they beat the Giants and the Jets and the Bengals, and the 49ers just, just beat the Steelers. And I know the Steelers are not what they used to be, but it's still more impressive to me than anything the Bills have done. But if you ask me for a 3-0 team that I don't think is going to be there at the end, I would say San Francisco, Buffalo. I'm stunned. When we were in Green Bay those four days, watching the Packers at practice and listening to NFL people who were there watching the Texans and and Packers, uh, other than Aaron Rodgers, I didn't think they had much talent, weren't going to be very good. But people up there really fired up right now. I think if the Bears were to lose this game tonight, and they're already all over Trubisky. And the mm. fact that it uh, they took traded up to get Trubisky with Mahomes and Watson there, they're just going to abuse that guy the fam- among the fans and the media. And then the Broncos are 3 but that doesn't surprise me. With Joe Flacco and Vic Fangio being the first-time head coach at 60, I always thought of Vic as a great defensive coordinator but not a head coach. So their winless start does not surprise me at all. Yeah, but you guys talked about the three and O teams. What about this undefeated team, the Lions, who are two O and one, and they beat the Eagles on the road. They beat the Chargers last week at home, and of course they had the Cardinals come back on them, but they ultimately tied them on on the opening weekend. And guys, we saw them here. I'm a little surprised about this result early because that's a quality win at Philadelphia yesterday. I'm really surprised that the Lions being two O one. I thought the way they blew that lead. In the fourth quarter at Arizona to Kyler Murray, a rookie quarterback with a rookie head coach. I thought they were going to go straight down the tubes, but winning at Philly and listening to those Eagle fans boo their team, it was amazing performance by Detroit. And they host somebody good this week that's going to be a good game. People are going to be jacked up. Considering how bad the Tigers are, worth, I think the Tigers may be worse than the Orioles, but considering how bad they are, people got to be extra pumped up early in the season for the Lions. John, Browns lose last night to the Rams. Baker Mayfield does not come through on a fourth down. 
It feels like there's a little bit of uh, hand-wringing in some sense going on. Shocker. Shocker <laughs> with the Browns, but the Browns at 1-2 and two and lose both games at home. And the win was against the Jets. Again, they probably should have won by 40, but they won 23-3, to three, I believe. <laughs> the Browns, what do you think about that group? <laughs> Something that bothers me is when a head coach and a quarterback get up at their post-game news conference and start taking shots at the media. It tells me they're spending way too much time worrying about the media and not worrying about football. Freddie Kitchens got second-guessed big time for his play calling twice, fourth and nine draw play, awful. Uh, that great stat that when Baker Mayfield un- was not under pressure, he's bad. He's better when he drops back and gets rid of the ball quick. And I I got nothing against Mayfield, but after all the hype, seeing him throw that end zone interception in the end, and I feel terrible for the fans and the media. But I think a lot of people got tired of the Cleveland hype. It's a great day for Clay Matthews. They put him in the ring of honor. The entire family, including the Bruce Matthews clan, was there, and it was a big day. But what a what a disappointment. Freddie Kitchens may be in over his head. Because remember, his name was never mentioned in the same sentence with that coach till right at the end because of the great job he'd done coaching Mayfield. And right now, he is struggling as a head coach and Mayfield's struggling as a quarterback. When we get back, I will go through each and every game from this weekend. Some news and notes coming out of some of these games. Who's 0-3? Who's 3-0? and How did they get there? We'll talk about that next right here on Texans All Access. One final segment this Monday's edition of Texans All Access from the Hyundai Texans Radio Studio. I am your host, John Harris, as I am each and every Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Replay tomorrow night. That should be fun. That should be really, really fun. Oh, man. It is so good to have a game like yesterday's to be able to break down. Because it, it I usually I spend a couple segments going through the alternate 11 plays of that game. And I think I'm going to need the entire show because there is so much that went into yesterday's game. Texans win 27-20. to Teams went up and down the field. Texans hold the Chargers to a lone field goal in the second half. How about that? A lone field goal for Phillip Rivers and that offense in the second half. Chargers put up yards but could not put the ball in the end zone in that second half. And, look, if you want to be perfectly honest, the Texans had the Chargers had a short field for their first touchdown. And the Texans basically they had to work for everything they got yesterday. So this this could have been a much larger margin of victory over a really good football team in the L.A. Chargers. But tech, regardless, the Texans get the win, dominate the last uh, two quarters and some change, I suppose, if you want to put it that way, and get that win 27-20. Now, what else happened throughout the league yesterday? Well, let's go around the NFL with some of the storylines and things that are happening in the NFL at this moment. The Buffalo Bills are 3-0. and Surprised? Uh, maybe a little bit. I did think the Bills were going to be better. I thought the Bills were going to be a really good football team at some point. I think this is a little bit early. Now, the Bills, you could say play the Jets, they play the Giants, and they play the Bengals. So they had an advantageous schedule to start. But I will not hold that against them. They win yesterday. They ran the ball 36 times for 175 yards. Frank Gore, I don't think Frank Gore ages. 14 carries for 76 yards and a touchdown. Josh Allen threw for 23 for 36. He had a touchdown. Bills win. Bills win. 
They win 21-17 over the Bengals. Bengals fall to 0-3. Ooh. The Bills went home. That was their first game at home. And they celebrated the life of Pancho Villa. If you don't know who that is, he was a staunch Bills fan and came down with cancer and passed away this just after the draft. And, I mean, he's a huge Bills fan. And they celebrated his life uh, yesterday there in uh, Orchard Park. So, uh, good stuff for the Bills to get the 3-0 and on a special day, obviously, for Pancho Villa and his family there. Cowboys and Dolphins. That's another 3-0 and versus 0-3. The Dolphins actually had this thing at 10 to 6 near the end of the first half. And Kenyon Drake fumbled deep in Dallas territory. And they got it down to the seven with like 25 seconds left. And Drake fumbled. I don't think the Dolphins were going to end up. I mean, if the Dolphins score there, it's either 10 to 9 or they're ahead 13 to 10. I think that would have been the wake-up call the Cowboys would have needed, I suppose. But beyond the 31-6 to score, which does seem as lopsided as the game actually was, the Cowboys accounted for 476 total yards. They ran for 235. They threw for 246. Now, if you're going, wait, that math isn't right. Yeah, you take off some sack yardage, and you get to 476. Another dominant performance for the Cowboys. You can argue the Cowboys haven't played anybody, but it doesn't matter. They're beating the teams that are in front of them. They've had two home games. They've dominated this year thus far. Cowboys 31-6 to over the Dolphins. Another 3-0 versus 0-3. Packers 3-0. 27-16 to over the Broncos. The defense, the story for the Packers. The Packers defense led by Mike Pettin has been very, very good. Now, they did give up some yards on the ground, but they sacked Joe Flacco six times. Now, if you're going, well, that's not too surprising. It really isn't. Preston Smith, three sacks. Zadarius Smith, two sacks. Rashawn Gary, one sack. You know where those guys weren't last year? Green Bay. Those six sacks came from one draftee and two free agents the Packers signed. Mike Pettin has dialed up the pressure, and it's been a huge start to the season for the Packers. Here's an interesting note on the Broncos. Three games, Von Miller, Bradley Chubb, no sacks. The, the whole team, no sacks. It's unbelievable. Packers are 3-0. They are atop the NFC North and look very, very good. One step behind them, the Detroit Lions go into the link and beat the Eagles 27-24. They took a 27-17 lead. Nelson Aguilar caught a touchdown pass to make it 27-24. And the Eagles could not do more in this game. Carson Wentz, a pretty solid ball game, but can't come up with a big play down the stretch. Stafford didn't have a great game. And when you look at the numbers, you're like, how did they win this game? Well, they had an Agnew 100-yard kickoff return, and that really was the key. The Eagles took a 3-0 lead. Agnew goes 100 right after that, made it 7-3. And then it was back and forth really the rest of the day. But the Eagles lose at home, and in the process, the Eagles fall to 1-2. and two. The Lions go to 2-0-1 with that tie against Arizona in Week 1. So the Lions nip at the heels of the Packers, both undefeated, just the Lions have got one less win. The Colts beat the Falcons. We talked about this earlier, 27-24. The Colts jumped out big. They were up 20-3, and then the Falcons chipped away, chipped away, got it to 20-17. 
And then an 11-play, 75-yard drive highlighted by a Marlon Mack four-yard touchdown run. Game another 10-point lead. Julio Jones caught a touchdown pass with four minutes left and made it 27-24. But the Colts hang on to win this one. Jacoby Brissett, another great day, 28 for 37. Two touchdowns, 310 yards, an excellent day. T.Y. Hilton went out of this game with a quad injury. I think he missed the second half or most of the second half with that injury. But it doesn't matter. Colts 2-1, tied with the Texans at the top. The AFC South, but big news coming out of this game. Malik Hooker, starting safety, future Pro Bowl safety, out for the next four to six weeks. Now, if you're going, wait a second, when did the Texans play the Colts? They play them in week seven. So four weeks would put it right at that that time frame that uh, Malik Hooker, a big piece of that defense, may miss the game, but he's going to at least miss the next four to six weeks for the Indianapolis Colts. Chiefs-Ravens, I think a lot of people thought that was going to be the game of the day. This stat blows my mind. The Chiefs, in the last two games, have scored 51 points in the second quarter. Zero in the first. 51 in the last two games. 33-28. to 28. The Ravens got on top 6-0 early. And then it went crazy. McCoy, touchdown. Demarcus Robinson, touchdown from Pat Mahomes. Nicole Hardman, 83-yard touchdown pass from Mahomes. Harrison Bucker, 42-yard field goal. It's 23-6. to 6. Before you can blink going into halftime, Mahomes, again, phenomenal. 27-37, three touchdowns, only sacked once. He's been just incredible. Lamar Jackson wasn't tremendous, but he did throw for 267 yards. He ran for 46. Mark Ingram had 103 on the ground and three touchdowns, which kept Baltimore in it. But that 23-point second quarter is what gave the Chiefs their third win on the year. Ravens fall to 2-1, and one, but... Nobody can really do anything in the NFC, the AFC North, so the Ravens stay atop that division as Pittsburgh's at 0-3, the Bengals at 0-3, and the Browns are 1-2, and we'll get to them in just a second. Vikings beat the Raiders 34-14. Not much to take out of this game other than the fact that the Vikings getting on track at home. Dalvin Cook, 110 yards and a touchdown on the ground, averaged nearly seven yards a carry. And playing at home, Kirk Cousins threw the ball only 21 times. That's it. 21 time. Vikings win by three touchdowns. And now when the Patriots beat the Jets, um, yeah, the Patriots 3-0. Jets 0-3. What more is there to say about that? This coming week's opponent, the Carolina Panthers. 21-20. They trailed late in the third quarter. Then Christian McCaffrey, 76-yard touchdown run game, a 28-20 lead. Greg Olson caught a touchdown pass from Kyle Allen. Hey, Kook fans. Hey, Aggies. You know that name. That made it 35-20, and then a sly field goal gave the Panthers their first win of the year, 38-20. Christian McCaffrey, the story in this one, he runs for 153, most of it on that 76-yard touchdown run. You'll see a Telestrator later in the week on that. But Kyle Allen threw not one, not two, not three, but four touchdowns to three different receivers, Greg Olson getting two of those. Kyle Allen's going to be coming in here on a high, and he will presumably start. He's going to start because Cam Newton's out. So Cam Newton is going to be out. That was announced today. He will be out of this one. Kyle Allen will step in at quarterback for the foreseeable future until Cam's ready to go. Panthers win 38-20 to over the Arizona Cardinals out in the desert. The Cardinals fall to 0 Two and one. Cliff Kingsbury still looking for that first win. The Giants went down to the Buccaneers. Daniel Jones, much maligned number six pick in the 2019 draft, 
gets his first start. And it didn't start off well. The Giants fell behind 28-10 to at the half. But then Jones got cranked up. Threw a 75-yard touchdown pass to Evan Ingram. One play on that drive. Then he hit Sterling Shepard. Seven-yard touchdown pass. That made it 28-25. Then the Buccaneers hit a field goal to give them a six-point lead. But Jones took him right down on fourth down. Seven-yard run into the end zone. Gave him a 32-31 lead. Matt Gay would have a chance to win it. And he pushed it wide right. Ironically, Gene Deckerhoff, who is also the Florida State announcer, was calling that game. Mark Vandermeer will get that note. But Daniel Jones, 23 of 36, two touchdowns. He was sacked five times, but he didn't throw an interception. The Giants were captivated by him. Four carries, 28 yards, two rushing touchdowns for Daniel Jones as well. But the story beyond this win for the Giants is Saquon Barkley. High ankle sprain. Looks like he's going to be out the next four to six weeks. The Giants are already struggling to find playmakers, and he is now going to be out. The Giants get one on the road. Good for them. Maybe, uh, I don't know if this is an upset, but without Drew Brees, I think it is. It's definitely an upset. The fact that the New Orleans Saints dominated the game over the Seattle Seahawks the way that they did, it was 33-14. to with 419 in the fourth before Russell Wilson scored on a run and then Will Disley caught a touchdown pass at Russell Wilson to kind of tack it on to get it a little bit closer. But this really was the Saints' day all the way along. Teddy Bridgewater, 19 to 27 for 177 and two touchdowns. That's a typical Teddy day. Alvin Kamara, 9 for 92, receiving touchdown. Rushed 16 times for 69 yards and a rushing touchdown. Saints stay out in Seattle over the week because they played in L.A., went up to Seattle and get the win over Seattle. Both teams go to 2-1 and one after a great win for the Saints. The Steelers fall to 0-3 as the 3-0 49ers get a win 24-20 to in this one. A guy I want to point out, Raheem Mostart. 12 carries, 79 yards rushing for the 49ers. Matt Breida, 14 carries, 68 yards. That Kyle Shanahan run game got rolling, and that really was what gave the Pittsburgh Steelers trouble. Mason Rudolph struggled a bit, 14-27 for 174. Two touchdowns, but he also threw one interception as the 49ers get a touchdown pass from Jimmy Garoppolo to Dante Pettis to take the lead with 115 left in the fourth quarter. The 49ers are 3-0. The Steelers are 0-3. And And then the one that probably made everybody smile a little bit, the Rams go into Cleveland, score 10 points in the fourth quarter to win 20-13 over uh, the most hyped team in the offseason, the Cleveland Browns. Now, I do think at some point the Browns will get it going in the right direction, but I just love all this chaos and noise that is going on. I don't know that the Rams did anything in particular very, very well, but they just capitalized when they had opportunities. Greg Zerline hit two key field goals that bookended the scoring. And then Cooper Cup got in the end zone twice on passes from Jared Goff. Cup, 11 catches, 102 yards. Brandy Cooks, 8 catches, 112 yards. You can't tell me that the Rams didn't miss Cooper Cup last year at the end of the year. But Baker Mayfield struggled. 18 of 36, only 50%. 195 yards, one touchdown, one interception, a 64 rating. And on fourth down, he had an opportunity, maybe a scramble for a touchdown. He did not decide to run. Incomplete pass gives the win to the Rams. Rams are 3-0. Browns 1-2. And And that, my friends, is your week in the NFL. Thank you so much for being here. 
We had a great show, and we will see you tomorrow. Plenty going on. Player show at Fuddruckers. I got Texans replay after that. We got plenty tomorrow to discuss as well. We'll see you then, everybody. As always, go Texans.